Hi there. Welcome to this week's episode of the podcast with me, Russell Davis. I'm really excited about this week's episode because I wanted to be an injection of hope and possibility for you on your journey. I'm sharing some research around the mind-body link. This is not something you often hear in the mainstream media, in the medical world for various reasons, but there's a, a growing not growing is such a large body of research from well-established institutions like Harvard Medical School that help see the power of the mind, how it impacts our body in all sorts of ways, down to the cellular level, including our fertility. So I want to help you see how your mind can impact your body on your journey to helpfully, hopefully give you a sense of hope and inspiration and a sense of possibility that things can happen against all odds. It did for us, I've seen it time and time again with my clients. So strap yourself in for this injection of hope and possibility. to explore a bit the mind-body link. We call it the mind-body link, it's commonly referred to as the mind-body link. But I think it's the mind-body system. The mind and body are one system. The mind affects the body and the body affects the mind. And we hear time and time again how couples trying to get pregnant when they give up trying, suddenly it happens. How come we gave, you know, we got pregnant naturally against all odds. One a billion chance we were told it would happen naturally. And it did. How come my fertility improved dramatically? I did my own psychological journey. I'd given up trying to do anything physical, you know, acupuncture, supplements, all that good stuff I know can make a big difference. I'd stopped doing all that. I'd given up trying. But I did my own psychological journey. My kind of version of Project U, what I know... Now looking back, I can see the elements of that, and that's what's you know the key into keys into my project. You journey, my clients. How come uh, Jess, who had PCOS, endometriosis, project e, uh, protein S deficiency, hormone imbalances, and Jess had never ovulated regularly and had problematic periods since puberty. Everything was stacked against her. She had a failed IVF, failed IUI. And, was completely hopeless when we met, feeling very depressed, spending most of her days in bed and feeling very angry and bitter. I think I like to think I gave a sense of possibility in life as well as a fertility journey. I love Dr. Ellen Langer. She's a Harvard University kind of professor and she's one of the world's leading research scientists on the mind-body link that mind-body system. She spent over 30 years studying it and done some very famous experiments and she calls her work the psychology of possibility. I love that, the psychology of possibility. And Ellen says, over time I've come to believe less and less that biology is destiny. It is not primary, primarily our physical cells that limit us, but rather our mindset about our physical limits. I love that. And another 
Quote of hers is, mindful health is not about how we should eat right, exercise or follow medical recommendations, nor is it about abandoning these things. It is about, it's not about new age medicine or traditional understanding of illness. It is about the need to free ourselves from constricting, constricting mindsets and the limits they place on our health and well-being and to appreciate the importance of becoming the guardians of our own health. Learning how to change requires understanding how we go astray. And I think that's taps into a sense of possibility. Our, our, I think the way I see it, our contaminated thinking we learn through childhood and life experiences, the limiting beliefs and the thoughts about ourselves and life, I think that's what keeps us going astray or forces us to go astray that's what prevents us from the guardians of our own health having a sense of possibility and belief in ourselves the fear the fear of not being good enough the fear of failing the fear of not being worthy the fear of not belonging all these unconscious fears point us in the wrong direction the wrong place for the solutions they disconnect us from our body they disconnect us from our clarity our wisdom our instinct our intuition and when she says, you know, the importance becoming the guardians of our own health, I believe that's what it means about being connected to our body, knowing what's true for us. And I love what she says, it's not about abandoning medical recommendations. It's about listening to those, being aware of those, and filter it through our own soul, our own instinct, our own intuition. But it's our, what I call our outside-in thinking, our fear, our stress or worry that stops us connecting to our soul our truth and it also stops us when it limits our our belief in ourselves and our physical limits one of uh, ellen's most famous studies is called counterclockwise and in this experiment she took a uh, 16 men in their late 70s and early 80s. This was back in 1979. And she put these elderly men and they spent a week together acting and, and, and living as if it was you know, 1959, so 20 years earlier. And they just a week together. And they had a control group. <clears throat> no, that's what good scientists do. They have a, a control group. And the control group lived in the same kind of house so everything was decorated for the, you know, 1959. Everything, the magazines, the radio shows, TV, everything was set up as 1959. And they could reminisce about those, those, period, those periods in their life. But the main group were told to act as if it was 1959. Speak and acting as if they were living in 1959. So almost embody that way of being as much as they could, as much as their bodies would allow, obviously. And they tested these men before they went into this house for the week. Some physical and psychometric tests. And Ellen was just gobsmacked by the response. She says on many measures, the participants got younger. The experimental group showed greater improvement on joint flexibility, finger health, their arthritis diminished, and they're able to strengthen their fingers more, and manual dexterity. On intelligent tests, 63% of the experimental group improved their scores compared to only 44% of the control group. 
What gets me is even 40%, 4% of the control group prove their scores just by living in the house and, and not even embodying it. There are also improvements in height, weight, gait and posture. Fundamental biological changes there. Finally, we ask people unaware of the study's purpose to compare photos taken of the participants at the end of the week to those submitted at the beginning of the study. These objective, objective observers judged that all of the experimental participants looked noticeably, noticeably younger at the end of the study. The end of one week. Isn't that incredible? It's absolutely incredible. And she's done many other studies, and it is about that kind of relationship with our body and our belief and how that sense of possibility. Another one of her fairly well-known studies is where she took um, hotel room attendants, housekeepers. And these kind of people have very physical jobs, kind of cleaning rooms, making beds. It's quite physical. But most of them didn't see it as kind of exercise. It was just their job, they got on with it. When she got them to see, see it as exercise and work it as if it was exercise, again, there were some dramatic shifts. They lost weight. They had a significant drop in body fat. And it's, again, it's our relationship with our thinking and our body. It is that psychology of possibility. And unfortunately, the medical world doesn't really recognize this or share this. And we get so caught into the medical world's perception of our journey and success rates. And often it doesn't encourage a sense of possibility, unfortunately. And I got into this work mainly because of our journey, but the gynecologist we work for really did believe in the mind-body link and had a more holistic way of treating. And when I changed my career and, and qualified as a therapist. He referred a patient to me. She was 39 and had three failed IVF cycles and was approaching 40 and felt a lot of pressure, pressure to continue, mainly obviously because she was coming out to her 40th, but also um, family were paying for the treatment and there's a lot of kind of pressure from them to crack on because they were scared that she's getting older. The clinic was kind of hopeful they could maybe modify the protocol slightly for a fourth round. But she was in no state to go into IVF again. And just helping get into a more healthy state psychologically, she had a complete different experience of her fourth IVF cycle. And she was pregnant. Yeah, she got, you know, had a lovely, beautiful baby girl. It, was, it wasn't just a different outcome, it was a whole different experience. And she contributes that mainly to her change in outlook, her psychology, whereas there was always a slight shift in the change, the protocol as well. So there's also a lot of studies around fertility, specifically the mind-body link and fertility. Alice Domar is a um, research scientist from Harvard Medical School. She's done a lot of work around fertility and the mind-body link. I really encourage you to look at her work as well, Alice Domar, D-O-M. AR, she's written books and um, she's a real advocate of the mind, the mind and body alongside medical intervention. I mean, she did a study with Boston IVF and they set up a kind of mind body program, um, similar to the kind of my online program. And because I got, got the idea from her, I think, when I first came across her work, you know, over 15 years ago. And we did 
group of patients went through IVF, another group of patients went through IVF, same clinic, but this other group of patients went through this mind-body program alongside their treatment. The average success rate for the tip the control group was 20%. The average success rate of the group that did the mind-body program alongside their treatment was 52%. Dramatic, dramatic difference. And I don't know why people aren't singing this from the rooftops. Why aren't all clinics providing that? If there's some evidence that shows it makes a difference. Professor Levitas is a Israeli professor who's looking at the impact of um, hypnosis and relaxation during embryo transfer on the outcome of IVF. And he did a range of ways of trying to relax patients. And his, you know, his study shows that actually being more relaxed during the embryo transfer can have an impact on the outcome. And he actually um, realized hypnosis was the most effective. The control group he didn't have any kind of relaxation process or technique through embryo transfer on average had a 14% success rate of their treatment. Those that had hypnosis during embryo transfer had 28% success rate. Again, dramatic. And there's all sorts of other studies. University of California did a study that showed the most distressed uh, were now 93% less likely to get pregnant than the least distressed. I share these because I want you to see a sense of possibility. I love the term, the psychology of possibility. I sometimes refer to my work as a subtractive psychology. There's different forms of psychology, different branches of psychology. Uh, positive psychology is a fairly new one, which ironically, because the, um, Martin Seligman, who kind of founded positive psychology, um, he realised that psychology and industry was studying, un- studying unhappy people and how to make them less unhappy. And he thought, why don't we study happy people and work out what makes them happy? So he, he started a branch in psychology called positive psychology. I like to think my work is subtractive psychology. I like to think I help my clients have less on their mind. So they're more present, more grounded, more in a state of flow, more connected to their body and connected to their innate well-being. Our soul that knows we're going to be okay, whatever happens. But I love Ellen's term, the psychology of possibility as well. And I want you to know that there's so much studies out there that show that actually there's a sense of possibility in our minds and our bodies that go beyond traditional medical commentary. What if you could, as Ellen says, have that sense of possibility? What if you could really be the guardian of your health and your body in ways that sometimes we don't think are possible? And I'm going to start, finish with the quote I started with, Ellen. Over time, I've come to believe less and less that the biology is destiny. It is not primarily our physical selves that limit us but rather our mindset about our physical limits. We live in the experience of our thinking. We live in the experience of our thinking. It's our perception about us, our life, our body, our health, that creates our experience of life. But the mind and body are one system also. So that thinking can also impact your body. And that's the premise of my work. When we let go of the thinking, it opens a sense of possibility. I just want you to know that sense of possibility for you and your life and your journey. Loving you.